Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. If you were watching this live, it would be super helpful if you could give the show a like, share it out with all your friends, and get everybody up to speed on what the heck is going on in the world. We're going to do this for you today. There's a lot. It has been a very crazy year so far. It is only January 3rd. I would like to preemptively wish my daughter a happy birthday. She turns 18 tomorrow. Yeah, that's happening. 18. I would also like to apologize in advance for my appearance, given that there is so much scrutiny on conservative women lately all over social media. I need to leave here and go do a brand new photo shoot for new headshots because mine are eight years old. And I don't think that that it's very reflective of who I am now. So I need to go do that. And that's what I'm doing. So I can't, I need to have a fresh canvas for the makeup artist. So I have a fresh canvas <laughs> and, and a sweatshirt because I don't want to hear anybody complaining about whether or not my boobs are showing through a t-shirt. Don't even get me started. We will do it at the end of the show if we do it at all craziness over the weekend it's just been it's just been insane so let's get into it Thursday on the high wire uh Del Bigtree show he is interviewing Barbara Lowe Fisher who was the person who began the push for the 1986 law that actually ended up setting the table for the vaccine manufacturers to escape liability for their shots. It's brought up all the time under the Reagan administration. I'm going to play this teaser clip for you. It's 30 seconds long. This interview is one that you absolutely must watch. This will be tomorrow um, at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. But let's just watch this real quick. I believe that if that was done today, that the parents of vaccinated children would do the same as we did. On the courthouse steps, before they would go in for a jury trial, they would settle for low amounts because the parents were so tired and had no money and they settled for low amounts and they sealed all the court records so that nobody could see what had happened. We fought through to the end and we got in the only law in this country that acknowledges that vaccine injuries and deaths are real. I believe that if that was done to the story, the real story she's really never been able to tell before in this interview, which I haven't seen yet, obviously, is going to blow your mind. You really need to take the time to watch it. It's going to be something which brings me to this. This was October of 2020. And as everybody knows, COVID has been a very big topic for me. It, it has touched every single person on the planet in some way, shape, or form. Nobody has escaped its wrath. Whether you were sick with it, lost somebody to it, have a vaccine issue going on, had relatives with a vaccine issue going on, lost your job because of a vaccine issue, lost your business because they locked you down, lost friends and family in nursing homes, had a baby that couldn't get, you know, adequately socialized because you had to, had to put a mask or not go anywhere. Had kids that were in school that missed their senior graduation. It has touched literally every single person. I have made it an issue that I will never stop talking about until there's accountability. And if everybody would have just listened to these docs back then, the things that would have been different. Hello, my name is Dr. Brian Tyson. 
I'm a board certified family medicine doctor. I have over 14 years of ER experience and hospital medicine experience. We opened up our own urgent care about two and a half years ago in the rural community of the Imperial Valley El Centro. We were at the heart of the pandemic with one of the highest risk populations in the nation due to our large uh, Hispanic and diabetic population. We border the city of Mexicali, which has 1.5 uh, million residents. We took on the coronavirus head on. We saw over 20,000 patients in person. We treated this virus early. We treated this virus aggressively. And we only had one hospitalization and zero deaths. Zero deaths. Because we were not going to stand by and allow people to die without treatment. We were told to stop testing. We were told to stop prescribing, but we didn't. And we continue to treat today, and we've treated over 1,900 positive patients. We've treated patients from 11 months old to 90 years old. We've treated patients with pulse oximetry less than 90, with chest x-rays that were filled with inflammation and fluid. We sent them home with treatment. We reevaluated that treatment and every one of them has survived. I'm here to tell you, at the beginning of this, we were all afraid. But my staff and myself, after going through this and seeing this eye to eye, we are no longer afraid. We can go back to school again. We can go back to work again. We can go back to life again. If you guys remember, this broke the internet when it happened, this press conference. And within an hour, it was banned everywhere. And that's when people really should have known that this was a big, giant play to destroy the world. Forget just the country. These docs, and then there was those other two doctors from the clinic in California. And we're seeing this unfortunate cascade. And just some, if anybody's on X on the 6th, on Saturday, I will be doing a medical freedom space where I'm going to talk about a lot of these issues as like one conglomerate Um Uncover DC started working on COVID immediately and we have hundreds of articles. We broke dozens of stories about COVID and what they were doing. We were banned, demonetized, canceled like many other people were <laughs> and we were right. I have not had to issue a single retraction on any of our reporting even though NewsGuard says that we're fake news. But we're seeing right now some crazy stuff going on. For example, this piece at the High Wire by Michelle Edwards and myself, ignoring the deadly jabs, Japanese scientists predict COVID infections will cause a global heart failure pandemic. We had this 
before the new year, just so that everybody knows, because we saw it and we're like, wait a second. This is what we have said they were going to do from the beginning. They're going to take COVID and use it as a scapegoat for vaccine injury. A lot of people have been sick for a long time. Yes, I'll talk about that in a second. There's a chat message here about it, um, about people who were sick for, for weeks and weeks. Now, not every one of those people is, va- I don't know what the person's vac- vaccination status is, but I do know that there is a nasty bug going around out there, uh, flu, whatever it is, um, that people are sick with for, for a long time, not feeling well. But a new report from researchers at Japan's Riken Research Institute predicts the world is set for a post-COVID-19 era heart failure pandemic thanks to the impact of catching and suffering from SARS-CoV-2. Published in Cell on December 22nd, the paper asserts that patients with chronic cardiomyopathy may have persistent viral infections in their hearts, particularly with with, with COVID, which they explain targets the ACE2 receptor highly expressed in human hearts. With no mention of the deadly mRNA COVID-19 gene damaging jabs, the author insists this situation introduces concerns about a potential global heart failure pandemic stemming from the infection in the near future. Do you guys remember when they were trying to tell us that heart attacks came from the cold, from being too happy, from, you know, from from whatever, from they can happen to kids as well. If your Super Bowl team does well, you could have a blood clot from it. Do you guys remember all that? Unbelievable. And here it is. Sick with COVID and the flu, double infections hit California hard. California's hospitals are getting busier with more COVID-19 and flu patients, some of whom are suffering from both viruses at the same time. Um, I just wanted to say real quick on the ACE2 receptor, the reason why ivermectin works is because it stops the virus from grabbing on over there. It fills that gap. So if you were treating with ivermectin, during COVID, you were stopping that hijacking, hijacking of your cells. But anyway, the simultaneous sickness is another wrinkle in an already hectic respiratory virus season. Although hospitals are not nearly as crowded as during the emergency phase of the pandemic, they're becoming increasingly so, with LA County recently entering the medium COVID-19 hospitalization category outlined by the CDC for the first time. Some of these patients are testing positive for more than one virus. Influenza definitely likes to travel with COVID, and we're seeing an outbreak of RSV. Now, when I said last week on my social media that I'm seeing in my timelines just an an enormous amount of posts about kids who are hospitalized with RSV or the flu, I wasn't lying about it to try and make everybody think there was some whatever I got attacked for saying it I I don't even understand why people are attacking me anymore it's so weird they make up things in their heads it's very strange but anyway there are a lot of kids a lot of kids that are really sick and then there's a lot of kids who get through it without a problem and you know you don't want to make any anecdotal assumptions but How do you not knowing what we know? And then on the heels of the cardiomyopathy issue, 
Here we have a new study that shows that vaccinated individuals show higher levels of cardiac, lymph node, liver, and spleen inflammation compared to unvaccinated individuals. Increased cardiac inflammation is measured six months post-second jab. The patients in the study were asymptomatic from myocarditis. Therefore, the vaccine is causing inflammation of heart tissue for up to six months post-jab, even in people who believe they're unaffected. The authors assessed tissue inflammation by analyzing PET and CT scan data for myocardial fluorine uptake in asymptomatic patients. Sample size is 300 unvaccinated and 700 vaccinated patients. Patients who had a previous COVID infection were excluded. Pure study. The uptake correlates with tissue inflammation due to the recruitment of activated neutrophils and lymphocytes, which have high affinity for glucose transporters. Not only is increased cardiac inflammation observed in asymptomatic vaccinated patients up to 180 days post-second jab, long-lasting inflammation in lymph nodes, liver, and spleen tissue is observed in vaccinated patients as well. No difference in myocardial uptake was observed in vaccinated patients when stratified by age, sex, or type of vaccine. In other words, increased inflammation is occurring in the young and old, males and females, similarly. The biggest crime against humanity ever, ever committed. The biggest crime against humanity ever committed. And anybody who tells you differently is either uninformed or just straight up in denial and lying to you. The biggest travesty in human history. Millions and millions and millions of people. But Dr. Bowden is doing something about it. She started an initiative. They now have 51 candidates and 40 elected officials from 20 states publicly stating that the COVID shots must be pulled off the market. Many are also pledging not to take donations from Big Pharma. Over 17,000 physicians stand behind them. And she's got a, a running list going. Of who they are. I think it's a worthy and beautiful initiative that she's undertaking. But then, then you have to hold these people accountable. Otherwise, it means crap. Okay? Anybody can say anything they want. I don't, I don't know when we moved into this world where when you say something, it doesn't actually mean what it, what you said. It means something else. Like, oh, that's not what they meant. They meant this. That's what people are doing for politicians all over the place lately. It's pretty crazy. I can't get away with that. Can I get away with that? Like saying something and then you guys all just making excuses for what I said? Speaking of which, we're going to do something interesting on the show today. I think I might take some calls. I wanted to move on to something funny after this. I have so much stuff to talk to you about today. It's not even fun. It's, it's, it's a lot. So Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle did his first um, comedy special, like Netflix special. And I loved this so much. I hope the end is included in this clip. I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing because I've seen it before. But let's let's listen. This is great. We need sound. As he knew that I was the... Oh. And what Norm did, which I'll never forget, 
is he knew that I was the biggest Jim Carrey fan in the world. Now, I'm not going to go all into it, but Jim Carrey is talented in a way that you can't practice or rehearse. What a God-given talent. I was fascinated with him. And Norm knew that. And he called me up and he goes, Dave, um, he says, I'm doing a movie with Jim Carrey. Um, do you want to meet him? And I said, fuck, yes, I do. And it was the first time I could remember since my father died being excited. And the movie was called Man on the Moon. I didn't know any of this. And in this movie, Jim Carrey was playing another comedian I admired, the late, great Andy Kaufman. Yes, and Jim Carrey was so immersed in that role that from the moment he woke up to the time he went to bed at night, he would live his life as Andy Kaufman. I didn't know that. When they said cut, this nigga was still <laughs> Andy Kaufman. So much so that everybody on the crew called him Andy. I didn't know any of that. I just went there to meet him, and when he walked into the room where we were supposed to meet, I screamed, Jim Carrey! And everyone said, no! <laughs> Call him Andy. And I didn't understand. And then he came over and he was acting weird. I didn't know he was acting like Andy Kaufman. He's just like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, hello. <laughs> Andy? Now, in hindsight, how fucking lucky am I? that I got to see one of the greatest artists of my time immersed in one of his most challenging processes ever. Very lucky to have seen that. But as it was happening, <laughs> I was very disappointed. Because <laughs> I wanted to meet Jim Carrey, and I had to pretend this nigga was Andy Kaufman <laughs> all afternoon. And he was clearly Jim Carrey. I could look at him and I could see. He was Jim Carrey. Anyway, I say all that to say, that's how trans people make me feel. <laughs> so good. So good. Just so good. I can't wait to see the rest of it. I can't wait to see the rest of it. I had to address some of this insanity yesterday as a trans female, whatever that means, a man pretending to be a woman was telling everyone how they have period cramps and that period cramps are from hormones, not from your period. And so since they're taking hormones, they can experience period cramps. But that's clearly ridiculous. And so I had to address that on my social media timeline. They'll never be women, no matter how hard they try. Moving right along to the topic on everybody's list, the Epstein client, the Epstein does being released. Yesterday, one of the John Doe's requested a 30-day extension so that they could submit to the court for their own viewing, not anyone else's, an affidavit supporting her assertion, but that's weird because it says John Doe, that she faces a risk of physical harm in her country of residence and providing detail concerning the hate mail she's received, which means that people already know who she is. But again, there's a contradiction because usually John Doe's are men 
So it says John Doe 107 and then Doe 107's request and then refers to Doe 107 as Jane Doe. Very weird. But if they've provided hate mail, if they've, they've received hate mail, then everybody already knows who 107 is. So why is unleashing the rest of this a problem for 107? Doe 107's counsel may also provide by the state any additional factual support for Doe 107's contention that unsealing the relevant records would put her at risk of physical harm. So now we've got to wait because Doe 107 has caused a, a problem. Now, you guys, if you watch the show, know that about a week and a half ago, we went over in detail Technofog's substack about this very thing. We already know a lot of the people on this list. I don't believe that this is going to be some bombshell where all of a sudden we get tons of information about people that we didn't know were here before. I'm not all that excited about this, truthfully, because I just don't think it's going to be the slam dunk that everybody thinks it is. However, we did have this interesting happening here between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel. Now, Jimmy Kimmel has been going after Aaron Rodgers for years. So this is probably just Aaron Rodgers, like, doing this to Jimmy Kimmel. Like, you you douche. Why are you treating me like this? Here. Mm-hmm. Bring it up. Bring it up, Foxy or somebody back Seats there. Seats on it. Bring up Super Bowl 58. You'll see it. The emblem. Put it on the screen. And then bring up 57 and 56. This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out. <laughs> Feels like it's like. supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been There's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine I'm cellar for this thing. Hiding. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the, the list and then. Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's been waiting. That's-, for- that's that's what it was all about. It was stupid. So Jimmy Kimmel is now losing his mind. For the record, he says, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up, and we will debate the, debate the facts further in court. Jimmy Kimmel, get off your damn horse, you loser. Lest we go through your history. Unbelievable. Supposedly, the former massage schedule of Sarah Kellen is quietly awaiting the release of these sealed documents. Sarah Kellen, 44, worked for Epstein for several years, starting in the early 2000s, allegedly scheduling his massages where he sexually abused his victims. But she and her husband live almost completely out of the public eye, including reportedly at a luxury Miami Beach condo, even after Epstein died in jail in 2019 and his partner in crime, Ghislaine Maxwell, was convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Quote, they have enjoyed basic anonymity and privacy and freedom for many years. Uh, her husband is former NASCAR driver Brian Vickers. They don't want any changes. So the pattern for which they live, which, by the way, is very careful, almost to the point of paranoia, is not without purpose. Public attention has turned back to Epstein and his powerful formal friends after a federal judge ordered the names of more than 150 people connected to the case and other related court documents to be unsealed shortly after the new year. Obviously, Bill Clinton, 
was on there. Not sure if Kellen will be exposed in this document dump. But can you imagine? There are going to be people, as Technofog said, that are in this document release that had literally nothing to do with anything illegal or nefarious that are going to have unsuspecting, you know, people who think they have good intentions or who do have good intentions that are just not careful, dragging them through the mud. I mean, just I would say just use discernment if you're going to be talking about this stuff because you don't want to... uh, The list here is expected to include the identities of some of the victims, household staff, and other people whose names incidentally came up in the course of a long-running court case between Jeffrey and Maxwell. In the court documents, people were previously identified as John or Jane Doe. So you've got victims in there. You've got victims. And now... Speaking of cover-ups, we're moving to Ray Epps' sentencing memo. I'm just, I'm motoring through here, motoring through all this stuff. This is, I brought, I pulled up the, the memo to read some of it to you guys because that's what we do here. We do source documents. That's what we do. I am just blown away. Uh Come on. I want to make it bigger. Bear with me a second. Uh, I can't. There we go. Six months they want for, for Ray Epps, which is the high end of the ap- applicable sentencing guidelines range. The government also requests that the court impose a $500 restitution payment and one year of probation. Um, somebody in the chat, Molly, said, make sure you watch the J6 timeline video. Yes, I shared that. Wendy actually worked some on that documentary. It's eye-opening. And it's eye-opening for reasons that I didn't expect. Um, it's very unbiased to the point where I actually got mad at a lot of the idiots that initiated the barricades being knocked down and acted like complete and total jerks and no not all of those people were you know plants some of those people were actual people that just got the better of themselves and just did stupid stuff but if everybody would have just taken a breath I think that day maybe we wouldn't have had as bad of a situation as we had now what this documentary documents in my opinion that is absolutely infuriating is how the police reacted to this crowd. They, it, it, this is done without any commentary. It is literally just taking thousands of hours of footage. They lined it all up and then they tell you, it's an hour long, in a timeline, what happened and when and how. So after the initial people knocked down those barriers, there is no way for you to know that there were barriers there because they were gone. So you're coming for the first time and you're like, oh, okay. And then all that the police did was infuriate this mob of people by throwing munitions at them, smoke grenades, pellet bullets, 
Somebody got shot through the face. People were picking them up and throwing them back at the cops. There weren't enough police there. I mean, the whole thing was just, it was just terrible. And some of these cops, I just don't, they didn't follow their training. They were being told to hold back and they didn't. The body camera footage is there. I will link the video in the show notes for everybody to see it. Um, but Ray Epps is, is all throughout that thing. He's a former Marine roofer, handyman, farmer, and venue operator. Make sure you tell everybody he's a Marine to make your case, government, while you're also crapping all over the military that are stuck rotting away in the gulag right now. This whole thing just makes me angry. He pleaded guilty via a plea agreement, pre-indictment to disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. The government's recommended sentence is supported by Epps' efforts both on the evening of January 5th where he sat there in the cap in Freedom Square, Freedom Plaza, and told everybody tomorrow we have to take the Capitol. This is just ridiculous. They're saying his efforts... This, this is, okay, to inspire and gather a crowd to storm the Capitol to protest the certification of the election, his presence among the vanguard of rioters that overwhelmed the police at three key breach points, which opened the floodgates to a mob that became thousands strong, his presence and general assistance was pushing a large metal frame sign into a group of police officers holding a defensive line, and his participation in a rugby, rugby scrum-like group effort to push past the same line of police officers. The court must also consider that Epps' conduct on January 6th, like the conduct of scores of other defendants, took place in the context of a large and violent riot insurrections gone that relied on numbers to overwhelm police, breach the Capitol, and disrupt the proceedings. This is a unique case because although Epps engaged in felonious conduct during the riot, his case involves a variety of distinctive and compelling mitigating factors which led the government to exercise its prosecutorial discretion and offer Epps a pre-indictment misdemeanor plea resolution. Specifically, he turned himself into the FBI two days after the riot, asked Steve Friend about this. On January 8th, immediately after becoming aware that the FBI was seeking to identify him, he cooperated with the FBI in Congress, participating in monthly, multiple lengthy voluntary interviews, and he engaged in at least five efforts on January 6th to de-escalate conflict and avoid violence between rioters and police officers. He has also expressed what appears to be sincere remorse, although he continues to suspiciously blame members of Antifa, secretly posing as Trump supporters, for the violence and property damage that occurred on the Capitol. Finally, he's been the target of a false and widespread conspiracy theory that he was an undercover government agent on January 6th. And here he is. And it goes on. And so they're offering him. They didn't indict him. They said, hey, you know, we got to charge you with something. We're going to charge you with this. It's six months in jail. Do you want to take it? He said yes, and the rest is history. And they go through this whole thing. Now, somebody needs to analyze this and go through it and see if it matches up with timelines. It's not going to be me. But there are people like Brandon who didn't even go in, who were standing outside, who had the FBI barrage their apartment house. There are people 
who have had the FBI in full SWAT with with dozens and dozens of agents take their kids out of their homes in the dead ass winter, make them stand outside with no shoes on. We've chronicled dozens of stories of January 6th defendants and how they've been treated and what's happened to them versus what they did. And here we are. Here we are. But I wanted to get into the civil part of this because in addition to the criminal aspect that we talk about often here on the show and and through Uncover DC, there are civil cases going on surrounding this. For example, Donald Trump is involved in a civil case right now by the relatives of Brian Sicknick, who died from a stroke. And was used as the poster boy for how MAGA crazies killed a police officer when in actuality, that's not what happened. Um, When Kyle Serafin provided Uncover DC with Jennifer Moore's emails from her official FBI email account, emails that are completely FOIA-able if you wanted them on an unclassified system, one of the things that we highlighted was her use of Brian Sicknick um, in connection with the defendant that was recently arrested and she was alleging that he was responsible for the death of Brian Sicknick and this is the FBI no good comes from anything the FBI does Um, I will try and find that article and link it in the show notes for you guys today so that you can read it because that was the one thing that screamed at me I did uh, Dinesh D'Souza's podcast. Kyle Sarfin was hosting that podcast. And I did about, I don't know, half an hour with him just last week before the new year. And we talked about that. But the judge, it's meta in, uh, in D.C., surprisingly enough, dismissed three of these civil counts against Donald Trump in this lawsuit, holding him responsible for the death of Brian Sicknick. And there are still two counts that are pending. Um under the Survival Act, he's being sued. So in addition to all of the criminal stuff that's going on, there are also these lawsuits civilly. And Brandon Strzok was actually involved in one of these lawsuits. He was sued by the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights on behalf of black and brown police officers that were, quote, harmed on January 6th. The problem is that the police officers that were claiming that Brandon somehow harmed him were not even in the place where Brandon was when Brandon was there. So how he could be personally responsible for anything like that is beyond me. But there's a positive coming out of all of this, folks. He has won the civil case against him by the corrupt, lying, leftist, Soros-funded D.C. nonprofit law firm Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. Over two years ago, he was served in a civil lawsuit by eight black and brown police officers who I'd never met, he'd never met, had no contact with, and who he wasn't even near. They sued him under the KKK Act, alleging that he engaged in a white supremacist attack on black and brown police officers, that he caused their, quote, injuries, which included being pepper sprayed and becoming, quote, exhausted, and conspired to encroach on their civil rights. Knowing um, every detail and allegation, says Brandon, against him was a lie. In fact, I'll say a known lie. He released some discovery that proved that one of these main officers was saying that he wasn't even in D.C. when Brandon was there. It was ridiculous. 
Knowing that I committed no violence on J6 and didn't encourage anybody else to either, this lawsuit alleged that I violently breached the barricades of the Capitol and proceeded to attack police officers, including the plaintiffs. The case entered discovery where we gathered evidence that conclusively showed that none of the three officers, none of these officers were even on the side of the building I was on during my brief time on the grounds. One of them was in Maryland at the time I was there. It cost him well into six figures to defend this case and hundreds and hundreds of hours of time, which is, of course, the whole point. The left has weaponized our legal system, turning Democrat majority districts into a playground where they can abuse the process to harm those who get in the way of their political agenda. And we've got a little bit of a video here. I'm going to play real quick, just a little bit of it. So you can hear it in his words. He deserves to take the victory lap on this. Ladies and gentlemen, at a time when it feels like there's absolutely no justice for conservatives or anybody who's connected in any way, shape or form with January 6th, we have been handed a victory. I have prevailed on all counts against me in the civil lawsuit that was leveled against me by eight Capitol Police officers. From the very beginning, like so many other things connected with January 6th, this case was a complete and total lie. The plaintiffs in this case are eight Capitol Police officers, most of whom are black and brown. And they're all being represented pro bono by the Soros-funded nonprofit law firm out of Washington, D.C., Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Here are the lawyers that drove this case to proceed against me. Ed Casper, Joshua Margolin, He's a partner. And these are the Capitol Police officers who participated in this farce. There they all are. He won. Good for him. Finally, somebody wins something. Um, and yeah, if you guys are seeing all over the place the stuff about the SSSS designation on people's tickets and the flying... Um, the, the flying issues and the terror watch list that people are on. We have done several stories. Wendy has written several stories about this for Uncover DC. I, I feel like a lot of the times um, folks that watch the podcast are not necessarily reading Uncover DC. I would like that to change only because we're covering this stuff like hardcore. Still covering election integrity. Still covering J6. Very few media outlets are doing it right. I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, and so... You need to check it out. And moving on to more wins. Here's another one. True the vote. True the vote defeats fair right, Stacey Abrams, Mark Elias, and the, and the uh, Biden Department of Justice in a landmark election case in Georgia federal court. Here is their press release. True the vote declares a decisive triumph in their legal battle against Stacey Abrams' fair fight legal teams led by Mark Elias and the Biden Department of Justice a federal court in the Northern District of Georgia today affirmed that citizens have the right to lawfully petition their government in support of election integrity without the fear of prosecution or persecution. In a resounding vindication, TTV successfully defended its actions of December 2020, aiding Georgia citizens in filing elector challenges based on data showing that over 364,000 voters appeared to be ineligible to vote due to a change in residency. The victory is a testament to every American's constitutional right to free speech and the importance of actively participating in the electoral process. After three years of litigation and a two-week federal trial with plaintiff calling 12 witnesses, just Judge Stephen Jones awarded a complete defensive, uh, defense verdict for all defendants. This decision is monumental. It vindicates true the vote in totality 
and establishes that eligibility challenges under Section 230 are a proper method to ensure voter rolls are accurate. I am grateful to help achieve this great victory. Big deal. Oh, Sharon, Sharon's a link Sharon machine down in the live chat. So this is a huge deal for True the Vote and what they what they were doing. They've always been about accountability on the rolls. It is clear that True the Vote did not engage in a quality process to create the list, nor did they have proper review or controls in place. It, it's just it was a great victory for them. We're going to play this and then I think I might just give you guys the number if you want to call in and I'll just cross my fingers that I don't have to deal with any nonsense. We'll do some calls. That should be fun. We've never done that before. Get your phone dialing hands ready. Never done that before. Tyler Fisher, comedian, you guys probably know him, is suing and he has it on tape. He was going to work with an agency and they were super interested and then they called him up and said they weren't going to work with him because he was white. That's called discrimination and it isn't allowed. And he recorded the call in a one-party consent state. Hold on. Any Here it is. Explicit, like, is it a policy, like, explicit that they're not taking on any, like, white men? Or is it, like case by case the only exception would be yes uh, in, in like, uh, uh, on camera talent stand up probably not no. okay so no. no so no white men are allowed for on camera stuff like is it did, were they like it will wait a year or is it like it's just kind of yeah I mean I guess it's, it's right now where it stands but like yeah it could change in a year depending on um, you know if we also thin out our roster, you know what I mean, and then it could change. Right. Or, or if we, you know, get to a point where casting directors, that's not their feedback anymore, there's feedback, or not even casting directors, um, you know, studios, production companies, whatever it may be, um, where it's like, you know, this is what we're looking for, we're open to, you know, reading more. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, more diverse would be the actual. Yeah, yeah. Term. Um, it's my number. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. No, I think I look, and I think you're like a refreshing voice. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of it's just so much homogenous, sort of like the opinion of just like everybody's afraid, you know, to kind of say how they feel right now. So many yeah. people are. Yeah. You think he's gonna win? They offered to settle with him, and he said, no, I'm not settling with you. F that noise. Tie the fish. I said something like, so you guys like me, you want to work with me, you know I've got what it takes, but the only reason is because I'm white. And he said, yeah. That's bad. Very bad. And he says, uh, his lawyer says, Mr. Fisher's lawsuit seeks to enforce the idea that individuals should be judged by their qualifications, not their race, sex, gender identity, religion, or any other innate characteristic. That idea needs to apply to everyone equally or it loses its legitimacy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, here we go. What is it? Um, 
Get your pen and pen pen and pen and paper handy. I'm going to try this. It's 803-580-5165. Said it twice. If you didn't hear it, sorry. See what happens here. We get a phone call. This month is World Carnivore Month. And as many of you know, I am a carnivore. My husband is a carnivore. As a matter of fact, in a few days, we're doing his one-year reveal. I'm so excited for this. It has been a life-changing experience. Oh, we've got a call. It's been a life-changing experience, which I'll talk about in a second. Okay, you're the first caller. Mute your um, I I I mute mute your uh the show. Otherwise, this won't work. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I can't. I can't believe I got through. <laughs> I thought I thought I'd be nine hundred thousand. In line. You are the first official caller to the Dark Delight podcast in its history of like almost six years. What's your name? I'm so excited. I'm Beth Provost. Oh, I'm Beth. From the corrupt state of <laughs> corrupt state of Illinois. <laughs> Welcome. And I've I've watched you for I don't know how long. You got me through COVID. Mm. And I'm so appreciative of your show. I'm getting emotional. Oh, love. I can't believe that. Can't believe I'm talking to Tracy B. Oh, sweetheart, I'm just a normal person, hon. <laughs> just no, I know. I think that's 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 why you spoke to all of us because we could tell you were normal. Now you're gonna make me cry. This is not. <laughs> okay, I got to get my act together. We are in a war, and there's no tears now. So I got. I wanna. I wanted to call in. First of all, I'm glad I got to speak with you and tell you how I feel. But I want to talk about. The documentary State of Denial. It's a new documentary that that um, I can't even remember who put it out, but it's because uh, it's a documentary film name. But um, it's all about the Arizona 2020 and 2022 elections, and it has done so well. It is just such a good documentary. It's unbelievable. And the thing that I'm I'm not understanding and maybe I'm still too naive about all this stuff is it's getting no absolutely no publicity I didn't even know it existed until you just told me now and as a matter of fact it's Kurt Olsen Brian Blem Clay Parikh Shelly Bush all the people that were involved in the Carrie Lake trial are in this documentary right yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it it's free to watch I have it up on screen now if you guys are interested now you know, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Arizona and Carrie Lake. And, and because we're so politicized right now, you know, people who are supporting DeSantis don't, you know, have a hard time acknowledging what happened in 2022. People who support Trump are mad about, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. But I will tell you, as somebody who covered the Carrie Lake election integrity case from start to finish, she was rightfully elected governor of Arizona. You're never going to convince me. Otherwise, I've seen too much data. So I am so interested in seeing this. Thank you for sharing it with us. It is so good. And if anybody had any doubt, like what you're saying is, this will convince you. I've watched it twice. 
And the thing that's so great about this documentary is that it includes both emotion. It gives emotion as well as the facts, where sometimes the documentaries are straight facts and people get bored with it. Mm -hmm. But this one, this really tells a story. And it's just so well done. And I just want people to know about it and to watch it because especially this year, 2024, we've got to figure this election thing out or we're screwed. Yeah, no, I, really I agree. I agree. We should have been doing it already. That's the thing that kills me. I mean, granted, there have been hundreds of pieces of legislation passed in states supportive of election integrity. Um, so we did make some headway. But waiting till now to really tackle this stuff has been a has been a, a, um, a fail, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, God bless you and thank you for calling. And I think I'm going to do this more on Mondays and Wednesdays and maybe even Fridays because Frank loves taking calls, too. And you can call back whenever you want. And it's such a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for your kind words. They really mean a lot. Thank to you, me. Tracy. And I just want to say one last thing. Yes, ma'am. Is that your your work on COVID has been an inspiration to the country. And never forget that. Thank you. How powerful, how powerful you've been, you know, and one of the few. And I just, I just can't tell you how proud I am of you. Oh, gosh. Thank you for that. All the men are, like, making fun of us because we're all sitting here crying like idiots. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. All right. Take care. Bye, honey. Oh, goodness. That was a good way to have a first call. What a sweetheart. I know that name. I see her all the time. What a sweet, sweet, sweet woman. Okay. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness me. Anyone else want to call in? You can mock me if you want for crying. Here's the movie State of Denial that I didn't even know existed. I can't believe nobody told me about this. First for me, I'm going to watch this and figure out what's going on with it. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I miss things sometimes. Um, I have a clip on capitalism. It's actually really good. It's an economics professor who's uh, doing a little lesson on capitalism. And it's, it's what every student needs to hear. I was so excited when Viv took an economics class this year. A guy does need to call. Some gentleman get some enterprising oomph, pick up the phone and and dial me and we can banter. Okay, that's what we're going to do. But first, we're going to listen to this clip. If you call in the middle of the clip, that's the only thing that's going to be a problem. The interruption. But we'll see what happens. Here we go. If you're going to be paid by an employer $20 an hour, the following statement must be true. During that hour, I knew it. Okay. Are you a gentleman, 315? Hello? Hello, it's a woman. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Is this Tracy? It is. No kidding. Wow, Tracy, hi. This is Chris from New York. Oh, shoot. Hey, Chris, what's up? <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Everybody can say that now. It's like New York radio at its finest. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to ask, uh, maybe I can get some guidance regarding the uh, main 
and Colorado and people who are so psyched that this is happening and wanting more states to go. How, how do we prepare them for the uh, kick in the gut when this is all reversed? I, I ask that because I have many family members who are in this situation, and I just want to kind of prepare for the, uh, for the letdown. So just to clarify for everybody, you have family members who are happy that Donald Trump is being removed from the ballot in those states like Maine and Colorado, etc., and you want to know how you should get them ready for the inevitable gut punch that comes when that doesn't end up happening. Definitely. You know, that's a great question. I would start by asking them why they're happy about that. Uh, one I can answer real quickly on that is because they hate Trump. So, And regardless of him, you know, being the candidate or not, they have to look beyond, you know, they have to see the huge picture well if they um, if and- they hate him so much like what i would do is i would encourage them rather than being excited that the the constitutional republic is being decimated by unelected justices and secretaries of state who you know took an oath to swear to serve the constitution i would, would encourage them to get out the vote to stop them if they really care that much about it and do their civic duty rather than trying to subvert the process so they get an easy win. I mean, wouldn't you rather resoundingly beat him than... That's... I, yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'll, I'll use that tactic because this becomes a heated discussion. And uh, so I will definitely use that tactic. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I th- that's what you should do. Just turn it around and do a philosophical debate with them. I have another call coming in. I'm not getting rid of you yet, Chris. I'm just saying. 740 is coming in. So is that? do you have anything else you want to talk about? Other than thank you for all you do. Uh, I love your little emails, so keep sending. And thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, honey. Okay, 740 <laughs> is next. Oh, Hello. Yes. How you doing? How are you? Happy New Year. It's John from Ohio and from uh, the pre-show. John from Ohio and the pre-show. See, tell people what they're missing with the pre-show, John. A cup of coffee with beans. She gets to slap Adam around. It's uh, it's it, it's like meeting at Denny's without us all having to drive there every morning. Right? Isn't it fun? I love it. It's my favorite part of the day, honestly. And I won't do it yeah. if I can't banter back and forth with you. I won't do it. I missed you terribly. Thank you for getting on the suspendables and giving us a little beans last week. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was honored to be like on both suspendables show. Now Garrett was getting some medical procedure taken care of. Are you driving to work, John? I am driving a dump truck. Oh, cool. It's Bluetooth. I listen to podcasts, and uh, you have been a mainstay since I got started doing the podcast. Oh, cool. That's great. I love it. And you're a real man driving. But I agree with most of you, and I know where your heart is. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking. I'd like to come down to South Carolina for one of these extravaganzas, but. I'm usually working 55 hours a week by then. Because you're a real man, John. That's why. <laughs> I'm a real man who's lost four kids to social justice. We've and got... We've, 
We've got to get him back. That's the, it's it should like 2024 should be the year we recapture the kids. I hope that would be a good idea. Yeah. I, I'd like to see some some more press stopping the shots. They're still doing commercials pushing the shots, and it has to stop. Yeah. Yeah, it does have to stop. It, it's like one of my main things that I focus on because of the reasons you're saying. Um, I said the other day to a relative of mine, if anybody's going to listen to a football player to determine what to inject into their body, they deserve it in a way. I mean, do you agree? I listen, I listen to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea took the money, took a lot of money, took $20 million for that commercial. Indeed he and did. He wasn't going to make Aaron Rodgers money, so, you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, he's dating a woman. He's dating a woman who's famous for her songs about her bad choices as men, and she's choosing Joe Biden, so, you know. This is true. I actually had an article up for today, if we got to it, about who's running, who's handling Kelsey. We'll do it on Friday. But um, it's it's 9.30 now, and that means the show is about to end. So thank you for calling, and thank you for your support. And um, we're going to we're gonna keep doing this. I want everybody to call in and say hi. I love all you guys, and I love you, Joe. I'm glad I got to be number two. Love you, means. I'm going to start car- carnivore here shortly. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. God bless. God bless. Amen. Fantastic. I will definitely keep doing what I'm doing. And I put in, uh, before we end today... I put a um I put a post up saying if you guys want help through carnivore, comment and I will gladly help you. I have faced some challenges that I think everybody should know about. Not nothing terrible, just things you should be aware of if you're gonna start the diet. I will talk about them the next podcast. Maybe get Frank to bite on to the apple. We'll see. Who knows? But that's it for today. It was such a blessing having those calls. It's definitely changed my day for the better. Um, you have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes. Oh, no, TuneIn's gone. Stitcher's gone. One of them is gone. All the podcasting platforms, including Spotify. You could also hear us at RadioInfluence.com. Somebody's calling, but I can't answer. <laughs> and we will be back on Friday. Later. Later.